We are kicking off a new series called Pictures of the Gospel. Our presentation of the gospel is often left brain, so to speak. Um, Left brain is the part of the brain for logic and reason, and the gospel, according to the left brain, uses logic and analysis. Um, When I was in college, I was a part of a student ministry called Crew. Uh, Maybe some of you have heard of it. And Crew's uh, presentation of the gospel is called, or at least at the time was called, The Four Spiritual Laws. Um, Just as there are physical laws, that govern the physical universe, so there are spiritual laws which govern our relationship with God. Um, I'm not making fun of this at all. It's a great presentation of the gospel in a nutshell. Um, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. We have sinned, and our sin separates us from God and his love. Uh, Jesus Christ is God's provision for our sin, and we must receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior in order to be reconciled to God. It makes sense. It has this nice logical step-by-step flow to it. Um, The four laws are all based upon Scripture, and I still use it as my basic outline for talking about faith in Jesus. Um, The logical, a logical presentation of the gospel like this one, it addresses our minds, but the gospel is compelling to both our minds and our hearts. And because we tend to be left-brained inclined in our proclamation of the gospel, it takes a little bit more work for us to make a right-brain presentation. The gospel, according to the right brain, is pictures and stories. Pictures and stories are more imaginative and creative. Pictures and stories are more likely to capture our hearts. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just pointing out that we in our culture tend to be left-brained, especially in our presentation of the gospel. And Jesus, however, was often (laughs) right-brained when he presented it. Jesus engaged the imagination in talking about the kingdom. Uh, Jesus was creative in how he presented it. And in regards to teaching, what was Jesus most famous for? Uh, Parables. (laughs) What are parables? Well, they are stories. And stories, if told right, uh, they draw you in. They paint a picture. And Jesus' parables painted a picture of what the gospel was all about. And this in the Bible is not limited to Jesus. The Bible is full of stories. Pictures of the gospel. And so we're going to attempt to unpack the power of some of these pictures. The scripture for this morning is Luke chapter 15, verses 3 to 7. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you go ahead and turn there. If you have your phones, you can go ahead and go there on your phones. Um, But Luke is the third book in the New Testament. It's right after Matthew and Mark. Uh, The passage for this morning is the parable of the lost sheep. Um, Many of you may be familiar with this parable. Um, It's the the parable of the lost sheep is the first parable of a back-to-back-to-back parables that Jesus tells right in a row. Um, Our scripture reader this morning is Paige Vickery. Paige, if you can make your way on up to the podium as she does, if you're able, please stand, face the center of the room. Um, We read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives, and um, we stand because we believe that this is the Word of God. And so, Paige, whenever you're ready, please read from Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. 
Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Paige, thank you very much. You may be seated. Uh, When my kids were younger, uh, my family, we would often go to Disneyland. Um, Both Shannon's parents and my parents live in Southern California, and so it wasn't uncommon to have some of our family join us as well. On one particular trip, Shannon's dad um, was with us, and we had spent the day park hopping between Disneyland and California Adventure, Uh, and it was uh, probably sometime after 9 o'clock. I'm not sure how far past 9 o'clock it was, but it was sometime after 9 as we were leaving the park, and we stopped at Downtown Disney, and if you're familiar with that area, you know that Downtown Disney is right next to the parks as you walk out. Um, The largest store in downtown Disney is the world of Disney. It's this massive store. Um, Multiple entrances and exits. Uh, There's at least like six to ten different checkout areas to buy your stuff. And I kind of describe the store as it's made up of these different coves that each have different themes. Um, And so you can spend time in one cove just looking at stuff. And then you can move to another and another and another and another and another and another. And you can spend, I don't know, for me, and I tend to go through stores really quick, but I could easily spend an hour in this store just looking at all the stuff. Now, Shannon and her dad, Norm, and uh, my daughter, our daughters, Leanne and Peyton, uh, they were in uh, the World of Disney store. And then Robert and I made our way to the Lego Lego store, which is um, like on the other side of downtown Disney. It's a solid 10-minute walk uh, to get there from where we were. And so Robert and I are making our way down to the Lego store, and we're about to walk into the Lego store, and I get a call from Shannon, and it's one of those calls you never want to get. One of our daughters is missing. Um, and she might have been four, five years old at the time. So, of course, we're panicked. And one other little detail to add to our panic, the World of Disney store is right next to the trams that you take to go to the parking lot to leave downtown Disney. And so, obviously, um, we're in high adrenaline mode. And so, Robert and I are hustling back to the World of Disney store. And as we're doing that, um, you know, I'm checking everybody that's walking by us. Do they have our daughter? Do they have my daughter? Who's got my daughter? Anyone have my daughter? Um, and... Uh, And as I'm doing that, I'm also making this game plan. Um, You know, okay, Shannon's already, uh, she's alerted the store employees. They're covering all the store exits. Okay, where are we going to look for her next? Uh, What do we do if we can't find her? You're going through all that. Um, And just as we're approaching the World of Disney store, my wife calls again, and she says, we found her. Um, It was a giant store, as I said, and she just wandered off looking at Disney stuff and didn't even realize she got separated from uh, her mom. And it's one of those, whew, you know, moments that five to ten of the most emotional minutes of my life. Now, the genius of the parable of the lost sheep is whether it's a sheep or a coin or a child or a wallet or keys or a phone, we all know what it's like to lose something and then find it again. And Jesus uses that common experience to paint a picture for us of what the gospel is. Jesus tells the story of a lost sheep, and the lost sheep is a picture of a sinner. Losing something isn't the only thing we have in common with this story. In addition to all of us having lost things before, 
all of us know what it's like to be lost. Well, except for every guy in the room who's never lost and never needs to ask for directions. But other than that, most of us know what it's like to be lost. When Shannon and I were um, first married, I was doing youth ministry, and part of youth ministry for us was we attended a lot of the sporting events of the kids in our youth group. And the local basketball team was like a powerhouse in the state. And when it came to playoff time, um, you were traveling to many, many places to watch the team play. And often we would end up in some town in Wisconsin that we hadn't been to before. This is all before Google Maps. Um, and so what Shannon and I would do is we'd find our way to the town. And then rather than stop and ask for directions to the high school, we would just wander, kind of drive around, see if we can find the high school. And, um, and it kind of became a game for us. It was, it was fun. Sometimes we found the high school. Sometimes we got lost. Um, but we just had fun wandering around a town that we didn't know. Jesus, going back to the passage, tells them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Now, some of you know that sheep are dumb, right? They're dumb animals. If you have a dog or a cat and they wander away, there's a good chance your dog or cat is going to find their way back home, okay? A sheep wanders away. It's not finding its way back, okay? The sheep, they just wander. They wander. They really don't even know where they're going. They go from one place to the next. They don't know. They're just wandering. That's what sheep do, okay? Um, shepherds, back in Jesus' day, were always trying to keep the flock together. And if a sheep started to wander or go in a direction that the shepherd didn't want them to go, a shepherd would throw a rock ahead of the sheep to scare them back into the direction they wanted to go. And a shepherd was always throwing rocks to keep the sheep from wandering. Throwing rocks saying, don't go that way, go this way. Don't go that way, go this way. Don't go that way, go this way. A lost sheep without a shepherd was a dangerous thing because they would just wander from one place to the next place to the next place and something bad was going to happen to it. A wolf or some other predator would come across it or the sheep could fall into some ravine or get stuck somewhere. It was not good to be a lost sheep. Now, the word sinner for us often connotes, you know, someone who's bad or maybe someone who doesn't have the best morals or someone who's less than worthy. Well, in the parable of the lost sheep, the image of the sinner is someone who wanders and gets lost. And the Bible compares us to sheep, as it says in Isaiah 53. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Now, on one level, we should be offended to be compared to sheep because sheep are dumb. But the Bible says we are all like sheep. Each of us has turned our own way. Now, that picture of wandering, going from one place to the next to the next, does that ever resonate with you? Wandering? Do you ever notice how often you wander? You know, we, we wander from one goal to the next goal. Maybe in regards to our jobs, we go from, you know, one job opportunity, and then we find ourselves with another job opportunity, and then maybe one day we find ourselves with another job opportunity. And then we find ourselves wondering, now, how did I get here? 
or from one life stage to another. We're single, and then we're married, and then we have kids, and then our kids are in school, and kids graduate from school, and then our kids get married, and then we have grandchildren, and we're retired, and at different stages in our life, we're like, now how do we get here? How do we get so old? Where do these kids come from? You know, it's, all of a sudden we find ourselves wondering, how, what? Um, or, you know, we wander from one hobby or one form of recreation to another. We have seasons where, we, you know, we hike and bike or we go fishing and hunting or we golf or um, maybe we have seasons in our lives where we travel or um, we have seasons, it might be short seasons, where we work out and go to the gym uh, or quilting or painting or we get into photography or the list goes on and on and on. And at some point we're like, now what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? How did I get here? A picture of a sheep wandering from one place to the next place to the next place. That should resonate with us. It should feel familiar because it's us. We wander through life like sheep without a shepherd. And why does Jesus tell this parable in the first place? The parable starts in verse 3 of Luke 15. What happened in verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15? Well, going back there, it says, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Tax collectors and sinners gathering around Jesus, and these are the wrong kind of people. And in the eyes of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, these people didn't deserve Jesus' time. And they're critical of Jesus for even hanging out with them. And Jesus responds to their criticism with a story. Pretend that you lose a sheep. And this picture of a lost sheep is a sheep who's wandering. And the sheep is in danger. It's a picture of the sinner. Sinners wander. And sinners get lost. Now, have you ever felt like a wanderer? Have you ever noticed those times in your life like, wow, I think I'm just kind of wandering around. Have you ever felt lost? Have you ever found yourself stopping and asking, now, how did I get to this point in life, and is this where I want to be, and what do I want to do next? What's... Now, if you have, well, this story is about you. And if you haven't, well, I would argue you haven't been paying attention <laughs> of how you've been living. Because all of us are like, street, are like sheep who have gone astray. It's a picture of us. We are like lost sheep. This parable is also a picture of a seeker. You know, often when it comes to faith, the message is we should seek God. We view ourselves as the seekers, and God is the one to be found. Now, to be certain, you do find this message throughout the Bible. Things like, seek and you will find. Seek the Lord and live. Seek the Lord with all of your heart. That's all in the Bible. But in this story, we're given a different picture, another picture. Going back to the passage where it says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on its shoulders, on his shoulders, and goes home. 
We are the lost sheep. God is the shepherd. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. God is the one doing the seeking. We are the ones to be found. God is like the shepherd who throws rocks in front of us to keep us from going places that are not good or safe for us to go. God is always guiding us. Don't go that way, go this way. Don't go that way, go this way. It's like he's always throwing rocks. Can you identify times in your life when God was guiding you in that direction? Don't go that way, go this way. Maybe you listened, maybe you didn't. But can you identify times when clearly God was saying, don't go that way? But we wander. It's what we do. And we get lost. And when we get lost, God comes looking for us. The picture of God seeking is found from the very beginning. Going back to the very first book of the Bible, book of Genesis, God creates man and woman and they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God commanded them not to eat from. And when they eat of it, their eyes are open, they realize that they're naked, and they hear the Lord walking in the garden, and they hide. Adam and Eve, they hide. And Genesis 3, verse 9 says, The Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? It's the question of every seeker. And from the very beginning, God has been looking for us. And this theme of God looking for us, it's throughout the Bible. Second Chronicles 16, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those who, whose hearts are fully committed to him. Or Ezekiel 34, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. We all know what it's like to look for something. When we lose our keys or wallet or phones, we worry, we panic, and we are compelled to look for them until they are found. We really can't rest. We really can't relax until whatever we have lost has been found. We worry, we panic, we're compelled. And that's the picture in this story God is doing the seeking, and it's like he's compelled to look for us. And when he finds us, he picks us up, puts us on his shoulders, and brings us home. The Bible says if you seek God, you will find him. Well, you know why you'll find God if you seek him? Because he was already looking for you. Now, this may be the first time you've ever been to church, or maybe it's the first time you've been to church in a long time. Uh, maybe you've come to church your whole life. I don't know. But regardless, long before you looked for God, God was actively seeking you out. And I think it's really important for us to let that sink in. What does that mean to you? To hear that God looks for you, whether you look for him or not. And he doesn't look for you to scold you. He doesn't look for you to judge you. He's looking for you to bring you home. 
And if you let that sink in, what does that mean to you? That God has been looking for you. This parable is a picture of a seeker. And it's also a picture of a celebration. The parable of the lost sheep, as I said earlier, is the first parable of three that Jesus tells back to back to back. And he tells these three parables back to back to back because the Pharisees and teachers of the law were critical that Jesus would eat with sinners and tax collectors. And the three parables that Jesus tells, the parable of the lost sheep, the one we've been looking at, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son, also known as the parable of the prodigal son, which some of you are familiar with. And the parables are driving home a point to the Pharisees and the teachers. And that point that is being driven home, you find at the end of every one of the parables. Going to the end of the parable of the lost sheep in verses six to seven, where it says, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The parable of the lost coin is about a woman who has 10 valuable coins, loses one, searches her whole house, finds it, and then at the end of the parable of the lost coin, it says... And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the parable of the lost son is about a son who leaves home, gets lost in wild living, loses everything, decides to go home to become a servant of his father, and the father's response to the rebellious son towards the end of that parable is, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. The picture of the gospel is celebration. And just going back for a second to the parable of lost sheep, if you think about that parable, you don't need verses six and seven. If that parable were to end with, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home, that's a fitting end to the parable. It's like they lived happily ever after, the end. You really don't need the last two verses. But verses six and seven are necessary because it's the whole point of the story. The shepherd says, rejoice with me. And God is the shepherd of the story. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And the shepherd wants us to rejoice with him because the lost has been found. And what did the sheep do? <laughs> uh, nothing. It got lost, wandered away, um, the shepherd was the one who did the seeking and the finding and the bringing home. And when all the work was done, now think about if you were the shepherd and you spent probably a good portion of, the, of your day and energy walking through hills uh, trying to find this dumb sheep. And at the end of the day, the shepherd isn't angry. 
The shepherd wasn't tired. The shepherd was so excited that he called up his friends and said, let's celebrate because I found my lost sheep. Now look, there come times in our lives when we realize certain truths about ourselves. And maybe one of those truths is every now and then we realize, you know, <laughs> I'm really out of shape and I need to start doing things physically. And so we reluctantly go to the gym. And maybe we tell the trainer, hey, I need to get in shape. What do I need to do? Now, if the trainer loves to do what they do, and they have a heart for people, if they're good at what they do, the trainer's reaction is going to be excitement. <laughs> hey, it's great you're here. I'm glad you're here. Love having you here. This is where you need to be. Really excited for you. Or if you realize, mm, man, my finances really aren't in good shape, and you realize you need help, and so you decide to go to a financial planner to get some financial help, and so you reluctantly go to the financial planner, and you tell the financial planner, you know, I'm, I need to get my finances in order. If that financial planner loves what they do, they're going to be like, I'm so excited you're here. I want to help you. You're in the right place. It's great that you're here. They are so excited to have you come to them. It's almost like they're ready to throw a party, and you really haven't done anything yet. All you did was show up and said, yeah, I think I need some help. All you've done is acknowledge a willingness, hmm, I need to get my life in order. Or when someone that we know starts showing interest in the faith, they come to church or maybe go to a Bible study or start showing an interest in prayer or start asking questions about the faith, well, I hope our reaction is excitement, <laughs> okay? Like, this is super exciting. I'm so glad you're here, wherever here is. I'm so glad you're asking the questions that you're asking. And we're really excited, and they may not have done anything yet. There are some people who don't really do church. And when they find out I'm a pastor, I often get this line, um, well, you know, if I darken the door of a church, lightning's going to strike, or the church is going to burn down, or something like that, as if they think God's going to say, what are you doing here, you know? Or what have you done to deserve to be here? I said at the beginning of this service, we're glad you're here. Look, when you show up, God's reaction is super excited. <laughs> He's thrilled you're here. This is great. This is where you belong. This is where you need to be. It's like a party for God. God's been looking for you. Not to judge you, but to transform you to make you into something new, into something that God created you to be in the first place, to get you to a better place, to bring you home. And when God finds us, God rejoices. And other than showing up, we may not have done anything yet. <laughs> but God is thrilled to find you. Because when you are with God, that's where you belong. And that's the good news. That's the picture. We wander, we get lost, God seeks, God finds, God celebrates. And so how do we respond to this picture of the gospel? We wander, God seeks, God celebrates, and we're gonna say, eh, I'm out of here. Eh, thanks, but no thanks. Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Why would we respond that way? Stop wandering. Let God bring you home. And every time 
that we see God do that, whether it's in our lives or in the lives of someone we know. It's a reason to celebrate. Please pray with me. And Lord, we are so grateful that even though we are people who wander, it's what we do. It's what we do as sinners. We wander, we get lost. But Lord, thank you that you are the good shepherd who comes looking for us. And Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love and for celebrating when you find us. And Lord, help us join you in that celebration when we see you bringing us home or when we see you bringing someone we care about home with you. Lord, give us a heart like yours. And Lord, help us celebrate with you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.